Yeah, you're a big fat dummy. Yeah, but I could go places if I wanted. <laughs> and there it is. That's the intro. Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Rory. And I'm your host, Katie. And today we are talking about Robert Fisher. And uh, where is this episode located? This one is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Ooh, not too far from here. And where did we get our material for this episode? Yeah, Katie, where'd you do your research for this episode? This one, there's no book on this case. So all of my information came from news articles written by AZ Central and AZ Family and the Unsolved Mystery website along with the fandom website, the FBI's Most Wanted site, and the documentary Where is Robert Fisher? Did you say fandom? Yeah. The, the fandom wiki oh, okay. for Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, I see. Because it was a TV show. Robert Fisher's fan website. That's what I, that's what I thought it was. Like no, it was no, no. The Robert fandom Fisher site thing. for the Unsolved Mysteries oh, okay. TV show. It's like, how are you going to write to somebody you can't find? You know, like fan club. Mm. So this one, I'm not, since it's internet-based research, I did my absolute best to confirm that it's all fact, but some of it varied from site to site, so I just kind of converged it all into a cohesive story. So awesome. Yeah, that's kind of tough. Don't but... be mad at me if I say something incorrect. I won't be mad. I will just be entertained. I probably won't even know because I am learning this now. There's some people that are really into this case, so. Yeah, we don't want to offend you um, fans of Robert Fisher. Can I just say, speaking of Robert Fisher, because I watched the documentary with Katie... He looks like The Rock, Dwayne really. Johnson, but like Rest if he peace. got Michael Jackson's... Uh... Rocky Johnson, the Dwayne The Rock Johnson's father that Jake's about to insult after his father died. Go. No, this guy looks like Dwayne The Rock Johnson if he got Michael Jackson depigmentation surgery or uh, bleaching or dipped in the vat, whatever they do. This dude literally looks like a white... Yeah, he looks like White Rock, not cocaine. Honestly, I thought this guy looked way creepier than The Rock, and I just realized his his name's Bobby Fisher. Bobby Fisher? But then he was a Bobby Fisher, like a chess player. Well, <laughs> how would I know that? If he's a chess player? I don't know competitive I, chess player like in names. Like a Happy hang Madison on, movie or on, something? Hang on, I may be thinking of a movie. Yeah, he was Wasn't played he by Adam Sandler player? in a movie about... No, straight up. Robert James Fisher was an American chess grandmaster as the 11th world chess champion. Many consider him to be the greatest chess player of all time. That is such an obscure piece of information. <laughs> if anybody ever wonders about the level of nerdity on our podcast, Rory just locked us in with our certifications. It's No, he's a famous chess player. Like, yeah. I I'm, 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 don't know why you guys don't just know stop. him. Just stop. You're... you're uh, Okay, because I'm... we get it, Roar. You're a fucking nerd. It's not even about that. It's, like, it's a common thing. Like Bobby Fischer, world's greatest chess player. All right, anyway, so his name is Robert Fischer. Yeah, Robert William Fischer. Not the chess player who was mildly famous. Robert Fischer was born April 13th, 1961 in Brooklyn, New York. There's no explanation as to what happened, but the family moved to Tucson, Arizona, and he and his sisters attended Saguaro High School. At 15, Robert's parents divorced and his mother left. He had extreme difficulty handling the divorce, and it continued to haunt him into his adult life. So he's he was so he was from Tucson. No, he was from New I York. I literally just said he was from New York. Tucson. I meant he went to high school in Tucson, is what I meant. Yes. I'm trying. I'm trying. To... Do you need to pull it up? No, I just wanted to find out exactly where Saguaro was because I get them all mixed up. 
He had extreme difficulty handling the divorce, and it continued to haunt him into his adult life. He told co-workers at his job at the Mayo Clinic that he believed his life would have turned out differently had his mother not left. He also refused to take his children to Disneyland, which is where his parents last fight before their divorce took place. This guy really has a difficult time getting over these things. Yeah, men of a certain age, you know, just stuff their feelings down in there. In their what? Brain boxes and never look at it. What age is that, 15? Yeah, I mean, whatever age where the the thing that stood out to him was that he was at the happiest place on earth and his parents got into the major fight that he believes leads to their divorce. Well, when you look at it like that, it's a little bit sad. Some people have difficulty handling divorce, which your parents aren't divorced, so you wouldn't know. And I think me and Rory both, our parents kind of oh, my parents mutually are... separated. But yeah, I mean, some divorces actually like affect <laughs> affect the children from the marriage, not... Just like, oh, okay, my parents are divorced, whatever. I guess. He's 15. That's kind of old, right? I don't know. That's where it's most damaging, where you've grown your whole life with your parents. I mean, it's probably less damaging on you. You can get over it easier if you're a child and it normalizes by the time you're 15. I was 14, and I was like, And look at you. You have no emotions. Robert worked as a firefighter for multiple years before seriously injuring his back and having to quit. He went back to school and became a nurse, working as a cardio technician and respiratory therapist. He and Mary, married in 1987, went on to have two children, Brittany and Bobby. He and Mary married in 87. So wait. And is, had a kid named Bobby Boy. So is Bobby, is it Robert? Or just short to Bobby, or is the kid's name actually Bobby? It's probably legally Robert, but everyone knew him as Bobby. That's what they called him. I hope it's legally Bobby. I, I'm really worried about people that have to name their kid after themselves. They're just worried that they won't leave anything behind. See, that's Jake the Third. Like, there doesn't need to be three Jake Sanders in the world. If anything, just call him, like, Jakey, and just add an E for each new kid. I would just call him three. But anyway, I want to name my kid a number, like 11, maybe 14, 63. What if you actually accidentally have two? Then it's going to be 42069. <laughs> The entire family were heavily involved in church and its activities, devoting their entire lives to God. Mary and Robert's marriage seemed perfect to outsiders, but they were anything but. Robert was described as ultra-controlling and authoritarian and screamed at the children often. He wouldn't allow Mary to paint the walls anything but white and only allowed her to hang up a few photos. Why was he okay only wanting his walls white? Was it a small house, house he wanted bigger. it to look big, maybe? Yeah. Some anyway. I don't know. So, Katie, why didn't you pick up the square footage of this guy's house when you were doing your research? You know, I should have, but Seems I didn't. like you let that one slip. But you know, if there had been yeah. a book about it, the square footage would have been listed. I believe in the pictures of the burning rubble that I saw, there was like four bedrooms. So, Oh, were the walls still white? No, they were black because oh. the house exploded. Oh, yeah, so didn't really matter in the end. He was embarrassed by the fact that Bobby didn't enjoy hunting and fishing and would ask friends and family when he was going to grow out of it. When do you think my son's going to want to be a hick? Well, he might just be a little more um, civilized than you, Bobby. I don't think you can call people hick. It was difficult to tell exactly what the marriage was like based on the sources I found. Robert was described as controlling in everyone I found, but according to his family, he was great with the children and they were happier more often than not. Robert was never described as physically abusive, but would often humiliate Mary instead. One friend said that Robert sprayed Mary with a garden hose for speaking up to him. There were multiple home videos in the documentary that showed Robert happily playing with his children. But at the same time, friends say how he taught the children to swim by throwing them off a boat into a lake. None of that's really all that unsettling. They're not going to let their kid drown. They're going to jump in after him. No one really believes that it's a live or die scenario when you're teaching your kid to swim. Just be like, okay, that's how easy. In a lake it might be. I mean, the child does, but yeah. 
get eaten by a by a walleye. But I'm not saying that's even a terrible lesson on how to teach a kid how to swim. It's just it's it's a little outdated in our eyes. But a lot of kids are taught how to swim that way. I'm just gonna say that you shouldn't teach a child to swim the same way that you teach a cat to swim. Yeah, that's probably true. In 1998, Robert went to a massage parlor for his back injury and ended up meeting a masseuse that did more than just massages. He ended up getting a urinary tract infection from the encounter and, worried Mary would find out, told her what had happened. She was obviously extremely upset and kicked him out of the house. He went out to the woods where he planned on camping for a month but ended up returning after a few days and the two reconciled after he promised to be a godly husband and father. Now what entails being a godly husband and father? I don't know. He could have avoided acting like God, probably. <laughs> he could have avoided having to be a godly husband and father if he just drank some extra cranberry juice, I think. Something like that. Right? Urinary tract infections aren't hard to get rid of, are they? I don't even think are they STDs? No. Um, but when you're a man it's more difficult because your urethra is longer. And also Ooh. if you leave them untreated it can turn into a bladder infection and then you can go septic from it. So Septic? Yeah, you can go septic from any infection you don't treat. Oh. Can't you just jerk it out? No. <laughs> no. Tell me more about this. That's how you can make it worse. Jerk it out theory. In the weeks leading up to April, Mary began telling friends that she planned on divorcing Robert. Mary's sister said, quote, Robert has told my dad often that divorce was not an option. He would not be divorced like his parents were. As we've seen in many cases before, refusing to divorce when a marriage fails almost always ends in some sort of tragedy. He wasn't about to get divorced. No, because he considered his parents a failure, right? Basically. He just didn't want to be like his parents. That's exactly what happened on April 10th, 2001. The night before, neighbors reported that Robert and Mary returned home and got into an intense, screaming fight, loud enough that they were heard by multiple people. At 8.45 on the 10th, 911 calls began pouring in, reporting an explosion in the Fisher home in flames. Holy shit. When firefighters arrived, they were unable to go inside because the fire was so massive and there were more explosions from live rounds in the home going off. Firefighters were able to tell that there were people inside the home based off the smell from the fire. Two things. That is gnarly. The smell of the fire thing. And also, can you imagine showing up to a fire and just having bullets start shooting out of the house at you? I'm sure it happens. That happened to that happened to a DPS officer the other day over on Nogales Highway. I guess his car caught fire and all of his life rounds in his car went off. That sounds like something out of Super Troopers. <laughs> like, hey, Farva, get the fuck away from your car. Once firefighters were able to get inside, they found Mary, Brittany, and Bobby dead. Their first sign something was wrong when they discovered their bodies lying in bed. Normally, when someone dies in a house fire, they are able to at least get out of bed and make it a few feet before dying from smoke inhalation. It was extremely unlikely Mary and the children slept through the explosion and the fire. Yeah, no one's going to just lay in bed after an explosion goes off. You're going to be trying to dip out. Yeah, unless you're already dead. As they searched more of what was left inside the house, they learned that an accelerant, most likely gasoline, had been poured through the hallway. The gas line connected to the furnace had been cut, and a candle left burning to burn until it ignited the gasoline, and the natural gas caused an explosion. This guy really thought he was a fucking scientist entity. I mean, that's a crazy good way to blow up a house. I mean, it's not the sneakiest way, but it's a crazy good way to do it. I mean, he thought about the candle, how long it would take it to burn, and shit like that. I mean, it's okay, but can we please just have a little originality? Gasoline is just overplayed as an accelerant. We just get it makes some... the hottest fires. If you're trying to destroy evidence, you want the fire to be as hot as possible. What do you What do you recommend then? Oh, I don't know. Something more fun, like uh, using an accelerant acetone. to start a house fire is never fun. 
Well, you gotta have a little bit of fun with it if you're gonna do it. During the autopsy of Mary, Brittany, and Bobby, police discovered that all three had their necks cut from ear to ear, so deep they were almost decapitated. Mary was also shot in the back of the head. The one person that was not in the house, or anywhere to be found, was Robert Fisher. He had taken Mary's Toyota 4Runner, the gun used to shoot her, all of his clothing, and the family dog, and disappeared. The night before, he had gone to an ATM and withdrawn $280. That was the last time he was seen. Am I fucked up for thinking, like, at least he took the dog? I would take the dog. So I'm saying, I hope he wouldn't commit a triple murder, but, like, am I, I, is it okay that I'm like, oh, good, he took the dog, even though he just murdered his family? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Good question, Rory. This is like family feud. Everybody clap. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, uh, I don't know. I'm really, I'm happy he took the dog. Like, I'm happy he took the dog. I don't know why I should be happy about that. I'm trying to, I mean, I'm glad he took the dog and everything, but I'm trying to wrap my head around, like, how angry you would have to be to almost decapitate your whole family oh, yeah. and shoot your wife in the back of the head. Well, is it even anger? What, what's this guy thinking so far? What do the police think? What, what, what do they have for a motive on this? Nothing. They think he may have been having an affair, another affair, but that's never been confirmed, so okay. there is no motive for this. Did he have a history of mental, like, aside from just his parents kind of fucking him up by getting divorced as a kid? No. Like, so, there's literally nothing. I feel like two out of three divorced kids could be right on the edge of snapping, so you and Rory could both kill me at any moment, I think. Based on the evidence found in the home, he was announced as a suspect and an APB put out for him. Because the fire was intentionally delayed using the candle, Robert had around a 10-hour head start on law enforcement. Again, he did a really good job planning that part out, but boring accelerant. Ten days after the murders, the forerunner was found abandoned in a forest in young Arizona by hikers. The only things left behind were the dog and human feces left by the door of the car. Now, was the dog Wait, so he just opened up the door and took a shit? Yeah. Huh. And no, the dog wasn't tied up. He was just laying under the car. What you might know not know about a forerunner is that it has a roof rack. So you could open the door, hold onto the roof rack, hang your ass out, and pretty plausibly take a shit without getting poo on your ankles. I mean, it's just a weird spot to take a dump, like right outside your door. He probably planned to drive somewhere after, and then he's like, fuck this, I'm out. Huh. He probably this, was this fucking with police. Or he's probably just like, man, I really gotta poop. Oh, here we go. Fuck this guy. Yeah, for like shitting out his foreigner. Foreigners are a nice car to just be shitting in. But so of. wait, they did find the dog though, right? Yes, the okay. dog was just laying under the car. Oh yeah, he was. And he tied was up. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. he was dehydrated, but he was fine. He had been there for probably a while. Inside, it was spotless, besides one single fingerprint belonging to Robert. Near the car were three caves, with a total of thirty within a mile. Police searched the caves and the surrounding forest, but found absolutely nothing. A family friend came forward and said that Robert had taken her husband camping in that exact area a week before the murders. Another couple also called police, saying that a few days before the car was found, they saw a man they thought to be Robert walking towards the highway in Young. They immediately recognized him, but did not contact police until days later, when it was too late to do anything about it. See, that's just slacking. That's, oh man, if you ever see someone that you think is on the, you know, there's an APB out for him, you gotta call. Besides finding the abandoned car, Robert Fisher vanished into thin air. Hundreds, if not thousands, of leads came into police, spotting him everywhere across the country, including one diner waitress who said he had come into the diner she worked at in Payson with a woman. She also did not come forward for multiple days after the sighting. In 2004, an individual in Canada that looked almost identical to Robert was spotted. 
Robert's neighbor was flown out and taken to the jail he was held at to identify him. They managed to stage it to look like the neighbor was being booked into the jail to get them into the same room. The neighbor says the moment he saw the man, he knew it was Robert. He says that they locked eyes while he was scanning the room, and the man reacted like he recognized him and was surprised to see him. Unfortunately, the man's fingerprints were not a match, and his own mother was brought in to positively identify him. The neighbor is still convinced that it was Robert. But it was obviously not Robert. They didn't take DNA. The dude was like... But they took fingerprints. I mean, that's fairly specific. It's possible to, I guess, slightly alter them enough that they wouldn't think that it's you, but I don't know. I think that the dude was just scanning the room and something surprising happened behind this neighbor and he was like... (gasps) And the neighbor took that as locking eyes and having sharing a moment. My old job, when I used to use syringes all the time, my thumbprint, it, like, calloused so bad that it used to not work and my fingerprint scanner didn't recognize it anymore. So if you want to kill somebody, just use syringes every day for three years and then one of your fingerprints might be missing. That's crazy. Or mildly calloused. I want to burn off my whole palm print. The only thing about that is but that then, then they'll, they'll notice. Yeah, they'll be like, weird, this guy doesn't have any palm prints. <laughs> yeah, and they just take the, your no, feet. No, they don't say weird. They're like, oh, this guy burned they off his hands. They wouldn't have my feet on file. Yeah, but then they would just take them and then they would have them on file. Oh, so, but then I wouldn't be leaving footprints. They were wearing shoes. <laughs> I mean, more than likely it wasn't him, but there is that possibility, because I guess he looked... The weird part is that Fisher himself had, like, a gold crown on one of his teeth, and so did this guy on the same tooth, and he had a scar from his back surgery, and so did this guy. Weird. What kind of scar? Like, an appendix scar? Like, a scar that other people might have from a common surgery? Yeah, or was it, like, a common, like, yeah. hernia fix or something? Yeah, it was a scar from a back surgery. Ah. A common back surgery. So, I mean, that's not crazy, but... The gold tooth thing's kind of crazy. Yeah, they both had the same scar and the same gold tooth on the same tooth. Yeah, I mean, that's you don't run into that too often. And Canadian, it's just this doppelganger. Yeah, I guess, because I guess they looked up the guy and he had, like, a criminal record in Canada, too. I didn't even know Canada kept criminal records. Why would they not? Because <laughs> they're Canada, eh? Everybody's so nice. Touch your Canadian accent, that was terrible. Hey. Half off. You know, you really should just do a Canadian accent a little slower version of Minnesota. Because you know, up here in the north, we like to say, you know, there's there's no blue on that flag because we are always happy. Canada. We like ourselves some maple syrup. <laughs> that that was almost Boston. In 2012, the FBI informed police that they had reason to believe that Robert was living in Payson, Arizona. Nothing and no one resembling him were ever found. Another couple vacationing in Guatemala came forward after they took a photo with a man in the background that resembled Robert. They said when they took the picture, the man approached them and told them to hand over the camera, saying he'd killed before and wasn't scared to do it again. Because that's the first rational way to approach somebody for taking a picture on their vacation. With only a photo with him in the background, police really had nothing to go off to find the man. In 2014, a home in Commerce City, Colorado, was raided after a tip came in that Robert was living there. Once again, no one was found. To this day, 19 years later, Robert Fisher is still a fugitive on the run. He's on the FBI's 10 most wanted list, and there's a $100,000 reward for any information leading to his arrest. I would love to find him and get that reward. Yeah, so if you guys know where he is, come talk to us and we'll go talk to the police for you. If you've never heard of this, get on the FBI's website and, like, seriously look at the pictures. The FBI released updated pictures of what he may look like. There's, like, 12 of them in 2016. If you've never actually heard of this or seen what he looks like, you should, like, legitimately go and look at them. Because it's entirely possible he's still out there. Oh, yeah. Bring this man to justice. 
age progression photos. And since we don't do America's Most Wanted anymore, which is how we catch most of these people. Yeah. I mean, well, so do we think he's still in America? Depends. Some people do. Some people don't. I highly doubt it. I don't know why you'd stay in America. That's Especially like asking to Ari- get caught. Yeah. If you're in Arizona, Mexico's just like right there. Yeah. I mean, you could probably not in this day and age, but during that time, you probably could have just jumped across the border. And, I think you uh, still can go across the border yeah, pretty it's easy. It's getting easy back to get in. Well, into no, because there's, there's a 50-mile uh, visa, uh, 50 miles in or 20 miles in or whatever it is. There's like a visa stop that you have to go hit before you're legally or you're actually in Mexico. But I guess if you're a criminal, you don't hit that. I mean, you're a criminal already. So if he gets pulled over, he won't have you to just be shoot anyway, the cop. I guess. I think uh, that's what they do in Mexico. Or do we have any motive as to why he did it or anything? I think it was probably to avoid getting divorced. I mean, if she was threatening it, it was probably just a, but, a moment's notice. He kind of just snapped, but it's entirely possible. I mean, it was pretty well thought out. At the same time, it wasn't. So I don't know if there's any... Do you think he did it and then, like, was going to actually kill himself with them? Or do you think he did it? I think he was a pussy. I don't think, think he was ever going to kill himself. Yeah, I think so. You think he got cold feet and then the um, thing, couldn't go through with it and just did it for them? Or what What do you think? The thing with family annihilation, when they do kill themselves, when it's a homicide, suicide, it's, like, 99% of the time on the same scene. So you kill your family and then you kill yourself. You don't drive out to the middle of the woods to kill yourself. Yeah, no, I'm not saying That's that. That's way I think, more depressing. Like, he he was gonna die in the house explosion. But no, 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 there's okay. no way. No, he wouldn't have. He would have just cut the gas line and lit it mm-hmm. right there with a lighter. That's how he, I would do it too. He wouldn't have made it, so it was a delayed explosion. Do you think he's actually still alive? I think so. Yeah. The way everyone described him is he's very arrogant. So I don't. He wouldn't have killed himself. The way that he was, there's no way that suicide was an option for him. No, when we were watching that documentary the other night, his, like, was that his father-in-law that was, like, really thinking he was, uh... Alive. A, a, like, alive and wanted him to come home and that he missed him and stuff? That was really creepy. He, he he didn't want to believe that this guy would do it. Why would his family members, like, believe that he wasn't capable of doing that? That I don't know. I think it's because they're church-going people and they're... Slightly gullible. They're... Take yeah, people at their word. God forgives. I mean, there was a whole speech that the father-in-law gave about how it was God's plan for this to happen. And his yeah. family's still very much in denial about the whole thing. Even Mary's sister thinks that, you know, this was all supposed to happen and that he wasn't involved in any way. Which I guess is a possibility that he didn't actually do this and he just... Is it possible he was, like, kidnapped or something? Yeah. I guess. I mean, there's tons of possibilities. I guess that could be one of them. That Shanghai? He was taken somewhere else. But the thing is, if he... If he had killed himself or been murdered 20 years later, we would have his body by now. You think you don't, so? You don't just die, in, especially in America, and nobody finds your body. I don't know. There are probably some lots of unfound bodies out there. How do you get away with it for so long? I mean, Whitey Bulger did it. Do you remember that Irish mafia guy? Um, he was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list at one point in time, but he got away with mur- multiple murders, racketeering, all sorts of charges. He just skipped town with his then-girlfriend and ended up in California. They didn't catch him for, like, 30 years or 20 years or something like that. But you always get caught. That's the thing. It's the same thing with John List, who did, like, the same exact thing, murdered his wife and his children, and he was he disappeared for 18 years, but they still found him. I mean, especially yeah. if you're dead. If you're alive, I guess it's probably a little harder because you can evade, but if you're dead in the middle of the forest somewhere, someone's going to stumble on you. You think so? Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of chance that he 
killed himself out in the woods somewhere. No, I don't think. I mean, we they didn't search all of the caves, but in one of those stories they were telling on that documentary we watched, um, didn't they say that he no no nobody wanted to go hunting with him because he was kind of crazy, mm-hmm. like he was reckless and like would smear blood on his face and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Do you think maybe he was just got reckless up there and is actually like fallen into a cave or eaten by animals and his bones are just rotted away to nothing? I mean, bones don't rot away to nothing. Well, I mean, not like hidden, covered in leaves, like ten, five, ten years of foliage or whatever he was under. Like that's entirely possible, though, right? Like. Yeah, it is. But the where where he was when he killed himself was relatively i mean people stumbled on his car within 24 hours of it being left there and also the other thing with his car being left there is he took all of his clothes from the house and then in the car none of his clothes were in the car oh, so you think he just traded car swapped cars there and left i mean yeah because what what else is he gonna do if we don't find your body and your huge pile of clothes that you have with you and he somehow tracked those he threw them over his back and made well, it all the if, way into the forest and we never found a huge what if it was more like he had made a dugout something like uh, uh elizabeth smart's kidnapper did like what if he was just living out there in that sort of situation that's entirely possible though right mm-hmm. so what if everything he owned fit on his back his back injury makes it really difficult too for him to live for an extended period in the woods because he was in severe pain like he couldn't walk standing upright almost so I don't think for 19 years he could have been living out in the middle of nowhere off of his, you know, off his own means. I think with his back injury, he would have had to at least be in somewhat a civilized area. So, and where is uh, Payson? I think it's like an hour-ish outside of Phoenix. That's where my brother's dad lives. Is it north of Phoenix? West of Phoenix? Northeast of Phoenix, I believe. Northeast of Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty heavily wooded. And then you have Payson and then Young's outside of Payson, and it's all kind of half Flagstaff, half Phoenix, basically. So there is, I guess, areas you could disappear, but Mm -hmm. I don't think with his back injury, carrying all of his clothes and everything that he had on him, that he could have made it far enough into the forest that we wouldn't have found him. Okay. So it's also probably unlikely that he packed it all out with him, right? He probably had to have another car. Would they find multiple sets of tire tracks or... No, they didn't find anything. Like, they found one fingerprint that he most likely intentionally left, so the police knew that it what, that he was in that car, but everything else was completely clean. Steering wheel was clean. So, so he's just being a jackass. So you, I kind of feel like this guy is the type of guy that will uh, set something up like this in advance, like come up with this plan, have stuff set aside, have an idea of what's going to happen after he did something like this and why he would do that. Like, okay, here's my thumbprint, here's my shit for DNA, and here is what I want you to think happened is me wandering out into these woods. And treating myself, yeah, because he did have a gun on him too. So, If only he'd put that much planning into having a good life. I did see a theory that in the weeks prior he had driven another car up too young and left it, and that way he knew when he, when the house exploded, he had that 10 hours to get to Young, get the car, clean it up, leave it there, get in his other car, and go wherever he went. Interesting. And they, ha- I mean, they had money, so he easily could have bought another car, especially just a sh- cheap piece of shit. Yeah. And Mary probably, if she even had access to the accounts, would have noticed the money missing. Mexico. And did we find any reason why this man would have snapped and done this? Just the divorce? like. I think probably the divorce and possibly if he was having an affair, he met a new woman and hmm. didn't want Maybe. to get divorced. New woman in his life. Maybe Mary figured out about the 
new woman. They did have that fight, too, the night that he did kill them. So if they were arguing about that and she said, I'm going to leave you, he would say, no, I'm not getting divorced. You have to die instead. I'll kill the children and you yeah. before I let that and happen. And then you get to go off and start a whole new life and yeah. nobody knows who you well, are. We and hit the reset button. Crazy. That's not quite how easy that works, guys. Just I mean, this is... How long ago was this? 2001. Another thing about the forest, too, is they did take cadaver dogs out, and they hit on nothing. So they didn't find any bodies out there? No, they caught no scent of I think cadaver anything dogs dead. definitely smelled through the leaves and whatnot. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Those cadaver dogs are some badasses. So does everybody here think that this guy's still alive? You think he's still alive, Jake? I'm not really sure. If he, he might have got away, but he could have died of natural causes or of steroid overdose or anything since then. Yeah. So he was a super, like, he was a big old fit dude. And they're saying that he might not even be like that now. If someone goes from super fit to super fat, he's probably not even, like, recognizable. Yeah, I wonder what he would actually look like. I know they do age progression, but do they do weight progression and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, they have all kinds of options. But I think getting away from something that, because this was a pretty major story, especially in Arizona. So I think getting away from that and pinning on that much weight and growing your hair that fast, that seems real difficult unless you book it on down to Mexico. Six-hour drive. Tacos. But in like a week, you can't put on that much weight and grow that much hair to make you but unrecognizable. He didn't become a suspect right away. He still had like 24, 48 hours before they like pinned him down as a suspect. They just wanted to find him, right? Like, or did they put out an APB right away? It was like 12 hours after the explosion. Why did he only take out $280? That's that, all he needed. I don't know. I. Because that is really strange, especially if they had money. And I know that there's no ATM that has a $280 limit. Unless he had already taken out 20 earlier that day and had a $300 daily limit, maybe. I think probably to make police think that he went and killed himself. If police say, okay, well, we found his car, we found his dog, he only has $280 on him, he can't survive on that. Yeah. He's dead, we're not going to look for him anymore. I just, I want, I don't think he even went out into the woods there. I think that was just like, oh, this is a woodsman, this guy goes out in the woods. I think he got there, got into a car, drove north. That's what I, I don't think. think I don't think north. he went south to Mexico. Yeah, I don't think he went to Mexico. I think he went north. To Canada? Maybe to Canada, but eventually I think he's probably somewhere in Alaska or somewhere people go to hide. I don't think he went south. I don't think he went to South America. I don't think those people saw him in Guatemala. Dude, he's probably just working on some work crew up in Alaska like that's what I'm Dexter or something. But that's... Such small towns in Alaska where, like, everybody knows everybody. Someone's bound to recognize you eventually. I don't think... I think in small towns in Alaska, it's more of a, okay, they're up here for a reason. They're not up here by choice. Yeah, we don't ask. We don't... I think they actually specifically do have communities like that. Yeah, in Alaska where it's like, okay, and it's been... 18 years. I mean, someone's there, like, he goes to a place, no one knows him, no one really watches all these NBC things, or there's not enough people, and he's there for 18 years. No one's going to believe that this man, 20 years ago, was a murderer or anything. He's the only the person that they know. They can't put him in that context and stuff like that. I so like I'm that thinking, idea. I'm thinking he's probably up in Alaska somewhere, just bumming around when people know him as something completely different and wouldn't believe otherwise. Do you think he started a completely new life and oh, has yeah. a new a new wife and oh, children? Yeah. New everything, new like setup because that's how you fit in. Like, oh no, that family man because obviously he's able to dupe certain people around him into thinking if he did this he's able to dupe all these people into thinking that he's a caring loving human being where the family still won't even believe it so i'm thinking that he can become that person at will and 
he becomes that person again somewhere else and just starts a new life and then becomes unrecognizable to people because they only know him as that life. Like, they're like, Bobby Boy could never be a murderer. Exactly. What if he's like uh, a parrot salesman in fucking Uruguay and your uh, dad's going to buy a bird from him? Oh, then, I mean, he's changed his life and now he's he's doing the Lord's work. So do you think we'll ever find him? Oh, yeah. I do just oh, yeah. want to point out that I 100% think he has a mullet like Nick Cage and Con Air now at this point if he's still alive. Probably. When he ever gets caught, I just He had to... a mullet in those early videos. So Did he? I, That's probably yeah. why I keep seeing his fucking face with a mullet yeah, in my no. brain. It was the 90s. I had mullets. Yeah, my he brother had a mullet. He brought it back. Yeah, I think he's still alive. And we're going to find him? And then we're going to find him. Oh, I hope and we that find him. It may even be a deathbed confession. Go turn me in for the $100,000 reward, kid. My name is really Robert Fisher. I think it's going to be something like that. I think it's going to be like the guy who was deep throat and just wanted to make money for his kids. Bobby boy, you're dead, but I'm going to turn you in and get that 100 k Exactly. I guess that's possible. You know, if he goes out without giving someone that 100 k because he's got to come, you know, be yeah, close to someone again. Yeah, you're dying, man. Give him that 100 k Give him a gift. But and unless then be an wants, organ donor too. Unless like, he <laughs> donate your organs, people. Unless he really wants to take it to his grave and not have anybody think bad of him, but that's gotta wear on you unless you have no. Yeah, I mean it's gotta be stressful to go every day for nineteen fucking years thinking that this could be it. Like someone looks at you funny in a bar and you're like, oh my god, they're gonna call the they cops and I'm going me. to prison. Yeah. And he's only fifty nine, so. He still has a lot of life left to He's... spend in prison. The only way that you get away with that type of thing for that long is if your alias rhymes with your real name so that when someone calls it, you turn around and then you never get confused. Yeah, I mean, it'd be pretty hard for me to not be trained to be called Rory. This guy's probably going by like Lobby Swisher. When you're under that much pressure to not react to your original name, I think you could probably get over hearing it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But finding a new identity for yourself is not easy i mean unless you know there's you I guess, specific the... ways to get around I, it. I think he's probably been planning that he'd probably been planning something like this as a worst case scenario he seems like a worst case scenario type of guy where he'd plan something like this or he got really lucky and he found someone that died that was born in 61 and yeah he could steal their identity i mean he did work at a hospital right or, or a mayo clinic whatever mayo clinic yeah you call the vacuum store and ask for a Hoover Hoover 210 XL drive belt. Next thing you know, you're getting picked up in a Previa. Sure. But he never touched his money. Yeah. I mean, if he contacted those people that will supposedly get you a new identity, he's not going to do it. get it for $280. Well, it may be just a, a, a bug out bag that he has. With You said if they're wealthy, he probably, if he's like a planner or something like this or someone to think out far enough ahead to know, okay, this is how I'm going to do it if I kill these people, he probably has a bug out bag with, bug out bag with a couple grand in it or but probably even, a lot more than that even. Yeah. Even with that, I mean, if you... You're not going to pay someone to get a new identity. You're going to figure it out yourself and keep all that money because you can't work. You can't yeah. find somewhere to live. You can't get your driver's license. You can't get a car. He's basically homeless, so I don't think he would have spent his cash on finding a new identity. I think he probably would have settled himself down to where someone wouldn't question him. He's 100% homeless. He blew his house up. So our official Four Corners crime cast take is what? What do you think, Katie? He's alive. He's somewhere probably not in America, and he's living a normal life, but we're going to catch him eventually. I like Rory's northern theory, and I like Katie's theory of catching him. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I guarantee he's alive somewhere, and I'm going to go ahead and put it out there on a limb that he's out there in Alaska somewhere in the middle of nowhere. 
If they make all the loggers shave their beard, they'll find him. Yeah, so we'll find him eventually. I'm I'll, pretty sure we'll catch him. I'll put a link to all the, the new pictures of him, the age progression pictures on the Facebook if people want to look at them. Yeah, and if you're in Alaska, be especially on the lookout. Ooh, Will's in Alaska working. Yeah, tell him to look out for this guy. He find split him. the money. So is, is that going to be it for our uh, the case of Robert Fisher and how he destroyed his whole family? Mm-hmm. Yep, that is all. Well, all right, guys. Well, if you want to actually, uh, you know, hit us up with any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast and on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast. And give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and a follow on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast content from. And as always, fuck this guy, because I'm not sure I said it in this episode. Yeah, if he's still alive, fuck this guy. And next week, we might have a special guest. I, I don't know. She hasn't sent me any dates yet, so okay, special well, guest may, may not be next week. There's a special we'll guest coming. We do have a special guest for the podcast, and I'm very excited about and it. Yes, we have... When she's in town, we will make a recording. And we have an episode... I kind of need to know so I can do research, but we have an episode specifically that she requested that we're going to do with her here. Oh, hell yes. Nice. It's going to be a good time. And we are not going to tell you who it is. It's a tease, but it will be worth it. Probably not as exciting as we're making it sound. Oh, I'm super excited. It's not like it's not. I'm excited too, but it's not like someone famous. Yeah, like John Douglas. Yeah, it's (laughs) yeah. But if all right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. (laughs) Rolling down the street, smoking and sipping on gin and juice. Nah. Laid back. Sounds even whiter when we do it than when the set of people did. You mean Hazy Dixie? I don't think it sounds whiter than when, when we do it than Hazy Dixie. Maybe.